Hi, I'm James. And I'm Candy. Welcome to Trigger Happy, a kind of weekly podcast presented by us, the Gender Centre. We'll be discussing psychological triggers and how they affect trans and gender diverse people. This week we're going to talk about anxiety around family events. This is going to be a good one, so please stick around. While Sister Mitchell starts reviewing their attitude of doing right. Got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. From the get-go, it's important to say that Trigger Happy is not a substitute for actual counselling. So if you feel that after listening to our show, you might need to explore some of these things we've discussed, then please check out the website, gendercentre.org.au, for links and recommendations. Before we begin, let's review our last episode. James, is there anything you wish that you hadn't said? All the time. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> about last week's episode in particular? Um, yeah, I think last time I um, I mentioned this at the end of the podcast, but I had said something about um, people when, when you transition. And I just wanted to clarify that not all transgender and gender diverse people transition or are able to transition. And, um, and that's something I want to be aware of this week as well. Mm, and this doesn't make you any less trans or less valid? Absolutely not. Um, everyone's experience is different and everyone has different things competing in their lives and um, we need to be careful not to judge others based on our own experience. So, James, what is an anxiety trigger? Well, an anxiety trigger is essentially the thing that happens just before you experience anxiety symptoms. So anxiety symptoms would include overthinking or um, your heart racing, breathing fast, um, you know, feeling like you're going to panic or pass out or something like that it feels like you're having a heart attack yeah exactly and um so an anxiety trigger can be anything that comes just before that that essentially was the thing that set off those symptoms so that can come in the form of an event that happened an event that's upcoming um thinking about something experiencing an emotion that doesn't feel good or maybe someone said something that set off um all of these symptoms in you and it's important to to state that what's happening is your body is reacting reacting to some sort of a threat or or a fear or or something um that doesn't feel good in you and um and it sets off a series of like a chain reaction of symptoms yeah and for the trans and gender diverse community the problem is always in the trigger because triggers for trans people or gender diverse people are completely socially constructed. Okay, so today's podcast is about how to deal with anxieties around family events. But first we're going to um, give some background and I think maybe have a lie down after. Very true. (laughs) If we're talking about family events in the terms of psychological triggers and anxiety, I'm thinking about a phrase I heard that Dalai Lama once said, if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family. That's great. And to me, what the Dalai Lama was referring to is that families are triggering for everyone. 
We can go off into the world and think that we've grown and changed, but if we go home, someone is going to say something that really annoyed you when you were five and it's going to be on. Well, that makes me think of another quote by Tolstoy who said, um, all happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And what that really means um, to me is that um, each, you know, in, in happy families, you've got, I guess, this kind of standard idea of what's happy, whereas in unhappy families, there is a myriad of different things that could be making them, uh, them unhappy and, you know, maybe different people are unhappy, um, which affects the other people. And, you know, it's it can be all sorts of different things. Um, mm. And that's almost... a um, almost becomes universal in its differences. Yeah, it's like I'm thinking of a boat where if everyone's sitting down still, the boat's going to stay afloat. Right. But if even just one person stands up and starts to move, the whole boat rocks. Right. Could be anyone in that boat or more than one person that needs to move and then everybody will have to make an adjustment if that boat's going to stay afloat. That's a great analogy. And the way to understand the differences then with that is that it maybe in your boat this person stands up or three people stand up or, um, you know, someone's purposely rocking the boat or, mm. or whatever. And, it, you know, the those um, disruptions happen um, in different ways. Yeah, and they're really a regular occurrence in families because families are often the people you spend the most time with in your life and therefore they become this battleground for any challenge that any family member is experiencing. Right, and we're talking about all sorts of families here, so not a standard um, traditional sense of a family, but whatever family you've grown up with. So those people that um, you called home for, um, you know, the first... 10 or 15 years years, yeah yeah of of your life yeah so Um, not just a mom and a dad and 2.3 children no well it's going to be um you know whatever diverse mix of 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 people happen to live in your home Mm. um and again there it's it's still that we still have that regular contact with these people um you know whether it's um in the form of family events or phone calls or checking in um, it's, mm. It tends to be something that most people experience. Yeah, so we also maybe go back to family thinking this is the place that should be safe. There's a lot of should in it, isn't there? So much. Yeah. The reality is it's possibly the one place we end up feeling the most vulnerable. Absolutely. And I think it's really hard as well to break out of um, the roles that are assigned to you, the ideas that people have of you within your family. And um, and that can be a real struggle, especially as you're getting older and you're trying to assert yourself as an individual or as someone who's maybe different to the expectations that they, your family, have of you. Exactly. And that leads right into the story for trans and gender diverse people. Right. They're experiencing all of these other anxieties and triggers and this battleground and then adding the complexity of being gender diverse as well. Yeah, it's incredibly confusing and difficult. Um, and you, you know, there's, there's obviously that, that um, a very uh, common experience that people have where family's frustrating and difficult, but then you throw in, um, you know, 
gender issues and um, identity and that kind of thing. And um, it, it can really throw you off. It's like you're the one who's stood up in the boat and trying to move and everyone's just pointing at you. Right. No one's helping or trying to keep the boat afloat. It's like you've got to jump out or something. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's a big challenge for trans and gender diverse people because often they're not trying to disrupt the boat. They're just trying to be themselves. And um, feeling like a problem when you're just expressing who you are on the inside mm. can be um, can can contribute to the complexity of um, the situation. Yeah, family is where we learn all of our trigger responses when we're small, and family can be the site of abuse, violence, bullying, and other traumas. So this often compounds anxieties to the point where in any other situation it would be sensible and healthy for us to stay away. But sensible and healthy rarely have anything to do with family or how we feel about them. Absolutely. Okay, so and following on from that, Candy, I think um, it's really important to say that what we're going to be focusing on today, uh, families that don't have that kind of violence and abuse pattern mm. um if and and i want to um mention as well if your family is affi- afflicted by any kind of violence um, or abuse and you're afraid for your safety or another member family member's safety it's really important that you seek support and advice um so we strongly advise you that if you don't feel f- safe at a family event that as best as you can, you don't attend. Mm. Um, and I'll just provide some numbers for those people who are in need of support at the moment. So we've got Lifeline on 13 11 14. And there's 1-800-RESPECT as well. And that that's number's the domestic violence hotline. Th- that's right, exactly. Mm. And that's 1-800-737-732. And, of course, if you're at any immediate risk of harm, um, please call emergency services on triple zero. Mm, Yeah, thanks, James. That's really, really important. So if we move now into the top four anxieties in going to a family event, number one would be maybe not being respected. So spoken to, treated or referred to in a way that's upsetting or hurtful by your family members or other people at the gathering. Okay, number two, um, not being supported. So being reminded of the lack of acceptance towards you, directed at you or towards another member of the family. Mm. Number three could be that you're triggering an argument. So getting into a fight with other family members or being the source of conflict. Right, and number four, being confronted about gender. So what's normal? Who are you relying on you to tell you what's normal? There's always a conversation that happens in regards to that. Anxiety one, not being respected. So what we mean by this is um, when you feel uh, that a member of your family or multiple members of your family um, are treating you in a way that is um, doesn't feel good. So that could be criticism, could be 
being ignored or maybe being maybe having a role in the family that doesn't feel right um, or doesn't feel fair could be another way mm. um, could be a lack of recognition of your effort um, that you've the efforts that you you, you go to to um, try and do things to please others um, it really it, it's often an individual thing um, and and also particular to families and how they might express themselves yeah and with the trans and gender diverse community this comes up in again a myriad of ways but some really obvious ones and I think a lot of people could relate to the idea of being purposefully misgendered or being dead named so using a name that is not what you've asked people to call you this is one of the really overt and obvious ways that you can be disrespected by your family but there's also covert and quiet ways where maybe there's hush-hush conversations about you while you're in the room or expectations that don't really match who you are. So where does our volume sit on this? Oh, I think this is a really big one. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, certainly for trans and gender diverse people, this is something that um, we see pretty frequently yeah. is that feeling of not being respected. Um, and, and so I think I would give that a 9 or a 10. Mm, yeah, I think so too because it's probably the biggest one we worry about when going home to family. Yeah. So is this a realistic anxiety? Absolutely. I think, um, I think you know, thinking about your situation that you've come from and, you know, we just talked about how complex families can be and then adding in... Um, being trans or, or gender diverse, I think absolutely it's something that someone can uh, needs to prepare for or, mm. or even expect. So the important question to keep asking ourselves here is how do I survive? Right, and so, you know, um, with, with being respected often, it's going to involve uh, some self-respect, um, starting to develop... Um, some respect for yourself which basically means acknowledging yourself validating yourself and and knowing that there's nothing wrong with who you are yeah knowing that you don't need your family's respect to be a person who is respected in this world absolutely and that's such a difficult thing to learn i mean it's it's, it's an easy thing to say and a very difficult thing to put into practice. Of course, because our family are the people that gave us everything we are. Mm -hmm. When we're small, we learn our sense of self from our family. And now, here's James and I just telling you that you don't need to listen to your family to have a sense <laughs> of self. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that really is, is about how, um, how, how complex it is. And, you know, this is where we might say, well, if you need counselling, then go seek counselling. Um, mm. People often need to work through their family stuff um, in a safe place, um, and and uh, often you know with when you're trans and gender diverse, that's um, that can be really helpful to help pull pull yourself out of that um, that family situation and and develop an objective view of what you want to be and who you want to be and and how you want to live in the world. Yeah. So if this is something that we can survive, the next question is how do I get to being okay? 
Well, this is kind of a long-term thing, isn't it? Like, mm. how do I get to being okay? And that's going to be as an individual, as myself. Um, and here, you know, we're kind of, I, I, I'm feeling like maybe we're, it's sounding like you need to be alone, which is absolutely not. Um, not no, there's the bit where we work on self and we develop a stronger sense of self and self-respect. Yeah. But then there's also the option of, Maybe finding family members, whether they be close family or distant family members, mm. who do respect you. Absolutely. And there's, you know, your family's full of people. So, well, maybe not for everyone. Some people have small families. Mm. But um, but they're, they don't share the same mind. There are people there that are going to have um, different behaviours, different language. Different and, opinions, yeah. different ages. And so maybe taking that um, less black and white view of ruling everyone out and considering that maybe there are there people there are people there that you can connect with and um and you know if that's not the case then you've got friends and you've got social groups and you've mm. got community so this is the chosen family absolutely anxiety too not being supported okay so we talked about not being respected in the family and maybe at first glance not being supported sounds very similar but when we really dig around in this not being supported by your family really touches on that feeling of betrayal and maybe you haven't explored the sense of betrayal before but betrayal is a really fundamental sense of being let down by the people who are supposed to love you right and that's that idea of um that we grow up with where our our families are the ones that are meant to love us that are meant to be the ones that um stand by us and then when that doesn't happen at, and particularly for a trans and gender diverse person after they um invite people in to who they are mm. and are then not supported in their process then um they feel betrayed absolutely and like you said when they when they invite people in so sometimes our families can say things like i'll love you no matter what and then or family is everything mm. or or blood is thicker than water yeah so where does our volume sit on this I think it's quite up there as well, you know. We're worried initially about not being respected, but fundamentally, if we dig around, this is next highest anxiety. So, a seven or eight? Yeah, absolutely. This has got to be really um, high. I think that um, if this were to happen to you, and it doesn't happen to everyone, which is great mm. and amazing, really, um, but if this does happen to you, then it can happen in, in a lot of different ways. It can be very direct where you have a overt lack of acceptance and um, that would tie in with not being respected as well. Mm. Um, but it also can happen in subtle ways where people, um, maybe you don't get invited to things anymore yeah. or maybe um, there's, yeah, there's a the feeling of being ostracized or um, not included. The important question to keep asking yourself through this is, how do I survive? 
Okay. So I think what's important is that um, you do receive support for yourself. Mm. And I think in this one, it's not as easy as just support yourself. Like we can have self-respect. Yeah. Support generally comes from others. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and that's going to come in the forms of friends or um, chosen family. Um, and then, of course, with support services and, and community. So mm. this is probably – this is an area where you, you have to make an effort to reach out, which yeah. can be a very difficult thing to do, especially when you've come from a place where you feel betrayed and maybe your uh, sense of trust has been – bruised a bit and so Mm. um learning to trust again um might be something that uh affects you so reach out you know come to a place like the gender center okay so if this is something we can survive then the next question is how do i get to being okay well i think that we've named this a few times today and that is the chosen family Sometimes we can work with our own family. Sometimes we can go to family therapy if if our family is not supportive but not necessarily completely rejecting us. Right. But for pe- for people who come out as trans or gender divo- diverse or invite their family in, what this can mean is that they are then completely ostracized from the family sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in these cases we do not have to be alone because there are always people out there that share similar experiences to you and that you might be able to relate to if you can find them. And there's also um, services there for people who are in need of um, support with their mental health as well. Yeah. Because um, this is, is an area where you might... Um, uh, experience ongoing anxiety and that might lead to um, maybe some depressive symptoms as well um, this being a very difficult area and there are services online there are services phone services there are face-to-face community services but it's really important to link, link in with people um, and take advantage of what's out there mm. and to recognize that things might get rough but that doesn't mean that they can't get better. Absolutely. Anxiety three, triggering an argument. We're talking here about when you might be experiencing some anxiety about being the centre of an argument or the reason why people are are arguing with each other or disagreeing with each other. Um, so um, that might be, you know, in regards to your gender identity um, or how you live your life or whatever and then you you know it might you might be part of the argument or it might be happening when you're not there and about you about yeah that's right so you might have been supported or respected yeah the other two anxieties that we spoke about but in this case maybe someone who supports you is arguing with someone who doesn't yeah so maybe some you've got someone advocating on your behalf Mm. um and or it's or it's creating some tension between different family members yeah so james where does our volume sit on this one um i think this one would probably be around a six 
maybe yeah. a seven for some people depending on their cultural background. Yeah, it's interesting that you name that because family conflict and arguments are very different across culture. Yeah, how people communicate within families, are, it's very different in culture in different cultures. Mm. And, of course, you've got the, um, the norms of your culture playing into that as well and what's going to be accepted and, mm. and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I think that um, that's certainly something that could be quite high for some people. Um, so the important question to keep asking yourself through this is how do I survive? Yeah, and how do you survive being the trigger of an argument? Again, I think this comes down to your family culture. It's considered norms and it's maybe collective fears. Mm. So is an argument in your family something that looks like it's going to break the family apart? Do you feel like you're going to be the reason that mum and dad split? Yeah, how much responsibility are you taking on in this situation? Especially if you're the child and it's your your parents arguing yeah um, so if i'm speaking to children out there right now i want you to know 100 percent of the time your parents arguments are not your fault and not your responsibility i'm really glad you said that candy um and i think that if you're an older person um that you you check in with yourself and and ask yourself those questions how much of how much am I blaming myself or taking on other people's views or other people's reactions, mm. which are not your responsibility, um, and attributing them to myself? Mm. So if this is something that we can survive, the next question is how do I get to being okay? Well, I would think that in hopefully you do have that family member there with you advocating on your behalf, standing by you. And, and that's, that person's going to be a really important support person um, for you. And I think that that's certainly part of um, the process to being okay is connecting in with the people who are on your side, mm. people who understand you, who respect you and support you. Yeah. And oftentimes arguments aren't the best moment to get your point across. So it's good to remember that in the middle of an argument you might have a million things you want to say. But if you can hold those thoughts until you can step away, maybe write them down. Yeah, that's that's a really good point actually because you're absolutely right. There's there's little, very little information getting across to the other side during an argument. When your emotions are heightened, your um, your ability to take on information, to problem solve, to make decisions is diminished. Um, but if you're thinking that maybe further education might be um, helpful then you, there are ways that you can provide that education without um, being direct. Without shouting and screaming it in their face. <laughs> that's right. Um, there's things like providing websites, providing... Um, Book titles. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're not making the person read. You're not doing... You're not um, taking on that responsibility. But you can, if, if it's appropriate, offer um, some direction where mm. they can educate themselves. Yeah. Anxiety four, being confronted about gender. This is a really specific anxiety, I think. It's one that is quite time-limited 
often. It can be at the very beginning of your exploration of your gender identity and maybe the diversity that you, do, you discover about yourself. I think this happens sometimes for people if they're beginning a conversation with family members, inviting them in, but maybe haven't gone as far as preparing a speech or a paragraph that really describes who they are. Yeah, and I think for um, some transgender and diverse people, when that that idea of having someone in their face saying, who do you think you are, or I disagree. Or transgender doesn't exist. Yeah, or um, the other things that we hear uh, about um, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's really confronting because that's a very personal experience and issue and it can be really scary to think um, that it might happen where someone confronts me face to face. So where would our volume sit on this? Well, it's going to depend on the person, right, and the the situation that they're in, the people that they socialise with or their family um, and what their family are like. Um, So I'm going to give it a range between four and eight yeah so if we're looking at anxiety around family events this might be higher when it's the first time you've turned up at a family function presenting as your authentic gender Mm -hmm. or the first time that your mum tells auntie jane yeah the extended family Mm. so you've got your immediate family and maybe you've sorted that but then there's the extended family yeah so the important question to keep asking yourself is how do i survive well i think it's it's very very important to prepare absolutely so even if this never happens to you it's so important to be ready for what you might want to say in a Mm. situation like this yeah Um, and And I think in counselling this is something that happens really as a matter of course. Yeah, it's something we talk about a lot. Um, And what we do is we talk to people about what do you want to say? Do you want to say anything at all? And if you don't, how do you close the conversation politely? Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, Mm. how can you walk away? Um, And it's really about the individual and um, them making a choice about how they want to behave um, in a situation like this because there's there's no expectation that you have to have a big grand speech about what gender is. Um, there's there's If you can't do it, you don't want to do it, you can walk away and there are ways that you can learn how to do that. There are mm. ways you can learn to be assertive as well. Yeah. But if you do want to do it, then it's really important to think, what do I want my family to hear about who I am and Mm -hmm. about gender to me. Exactly. So if this is something that we can survive, the next question is how do I get to being okay? Well, you know, I think that um, if you have had the experience of putting this into practice, then that's a huge part to being okay because you know you can deal with it and you know you've got the the skills and the tools um, there that you can um, face those challenges. Yeah, so if you've prepared how you might answer questions about gender, then your anxiety of 8 out of 10 might be reduced to about a 5. Yeah. And then 
if you've experienced this before, we might be going down even further, two or three or a four. Mm-hmm. And it's really um, empowering to be able to state who you are and, and be your own advocate, be your own um, spokesperson, I guess. Yeah. And um, I also think that if you talk to other people who maybe have a similar family structure or similar events to you and see if they've had this experience, then you can learn from them. You can learn what they said, whether or not you want to copy or change some of the words that they chose. But, you know, use other people's experiences to reduce your anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. Preparation really is the key here. So in summary today, talking about how to cope with the anxiety of family events and being a trans and gender diverse person, um, what we've discussed really is how um, to think about those family events in a in a, a normalizing way. So, so what other people might experience as well, and also um, acknowledging things like self respect, self advocating, preparation, and taking care of yourself including connecting with members of your family who support you and help to make you feel safe. That's it from us for now. Check out some of the other episodes on our Trigger Happy page. These episodes aren't strictly sequential, so feel free to listen to the ones that are relevant to you. We'd like to thank the Inner West Council for making this podcast possible. We'd also like to thank the support of Aurora, as well as No Trees Web Design. Production was by Eloise Brooke and the Gender Centre staff. If you are trans and gender diverse and you want to find out more information about services at the Gender Centre, find us at www.gendercentre.org.au and feel free to leave any feedback on the Trigger Happy page. Also, remember that there are some, some helplines that can help you out if you're in need right now. There's Lifeline 13 11 14, And for family-related issues, domestic violence and other concerns, you can call 1800RESPECT. That's 1800-737-732. Bye for now.